Thank you for joining us for the next installment of the Ropes and Gray Alumni Podcast. I'm Ben Wilson, a healthcare partner based in our Boston office, and I'm pleased to be joined by Ropes alum Aaron Abood, Senior University Counsel at Stanford University. Aaron was a healthcare associate in our San Francisco office from 2005 to 2010. I've had the pleasure of working with Erin in a role at Stanford, and I'm looking forward to exploring her experience there in the course of our conversation today. Erin, welcome, and thanks for joining us today for the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start uh, with your path post-ROPES. Uh, I, I know you practiced for five years in the healthcare group in our San Francisco office before pivoting uh, to your current in-house role at Stanford. That must have been a huge change for you. What was most challenging? Uh, what was most rewarding about the transition, would you say? It, it was a, a big change in some ways, but also very familiar. I had the great fortune um, during my time at Ropes to work extensively with Stanford. In fact, I had been seconded to Stanford as a young associate um, to fill in for uh, an in-house counsel's maternity leave, and I had continued to then work with, with Stanford all of the time that I was at Ropes, and I had worked um, pretty extensively with other academic medical centers here in California through Ropes. And so it was um, both different and the same. You know, at Ropes and Gray, you have just a phenomenal healthcare team from the associates right up through the partners and incredible support at all levels. And so um, when you come in-house, and at that time it was to a very small um, group of in-house attorneys, perhaps less than half what we have today, you're really working much more independently. And I think one of the most dramatic changes is you're working to just get the business initiatives completed. It, it we, we don't get to write memos or think about um the best way to do something sometimes. We just need to get it done. And so it's it's very, very different in that respect. But it, but it was a fun transition. I think both Ropes and Gray and Stanford have been phenomenal experiences. I can't imagine having come in-house without having had the incredible training I had at Ropes. I think I would have been quite lost. Well, and it sounds like the secondment uh, and, and experience working with Stanford helped smooth that transition quite a bit. It sounds like you, you perhaps knew quite a bit about the substantive work as well as the people uh, you were going to be working with when you moved over. Tell us a little bit, if you would, what does your job look like on a day-to-day basis? You know, that's changed pretty dramatically since um, the onset of the pandemic, uh, largely because I'm responsible for all the digital health um, advice that we give Stanford Medicine. And so as you can imagine, on day one of the shutdown here in California, and we preceded the rest of the nation, we we did a dramatic shift um, to digital health and, and taking our ambulatory uh, visits at the hospitals and turning them into telehealth visits from virtually none to you know, 80, 70 or 80 percent. That was a great lift for all of our operational teams as well as for legal to, to roll out. I think I have 15 iterations of advice that I've given over the last three years about uh, what we can do, what we can't do, and, you know, and it continues to evolve. One of the most Dark differences between um, your life as an associate uh, at a law firm and in-house here is that we're very flat in terms of structure. There's no one below you and no one above you, um, and so we do everything here. 
I, I, we give um, the most high-level legal guidance, can spend many hours on the phone, but at the same time, I can do the most simple and basic agreements that you would normally turn to a young associate to do because we just aren't staffed with um, all of the levels and personnel to do that. And so we become these great generalists. Um, we do try and specialize in particular areas amongst our team here. And um, so that we can each develop some expertise in, in select areas. Um, but then at the same time, we take everything and anything that comes in and it really runs the gamut. So it's a very different day than you might find at the law firm where you might be focusing on a few select matters and really diving in in depth and giving that um, incredibly thorough advice to your clients. Now that we're, we're hopefully reaching the tail end of the pandemic, we've seen that I, th I think across a lot of institutions that they pivoted rather quickly to try and implement telehealth and find solutions while, um, you know, elective procedures were being canceled. Going forward, have you seen any less utilization of telehealth? Do you think that that's something you're going to continue seeing and will be a facet of uh, the in-house healthcare lawyer's role is really understanding telehealth and the, the rules that apply and the rules of, ro of the road for having an, uh, an outpatient ambulatory practice that, that has at least part of the care being delivered through digital health technologies? Yeah, certainly here in Silicon Valley, we anticipate that it is here to stay. We've watched our numbers obviously skyrocket in March you know, in this initial month of the pandemic, and then they've come down and we see them kind of fluctuate a little bit with uh, waves. Um, but we seem to be plateauing here, and I think we can kind of anticipate that going forward, a certain percentage of our visits will be via telehealth. And of course, for academic medical centers like Stanford and many of our peer institutions, um, it's incredibly challenging for both providers and patients that we um, now have the technology to see patients anywhere. And for AMCs, particularly AMCs here west of the Mississippi, we might be the only provider for many, many hundreds of miles or for several states in a, with a particular expertise. And and yet the, the laws haven't changed largely that would allow us to see patients anywhere. So we're still very much stymied by um, state licensure laws. Right. which is um, something we discuss here constantly. It's something that I discuss with my peers at other AMCs and something that our physicians just kind of pull their hair out over because they, they want to do what's right for their patients. And right now, state law is not allowing that to happen. So it's it's a frustrating time and we're all trying to figure out, so how do we move forward? Because we do have to say no to patients who are out of state. And so, you know, are we, do we get physicians licensed in other states or we'll see. It's too bad that you're stymied. And uh, at the same time, I guess that's one reason why it's kind of fun to be a healthcare lawyer, right? As you're continually trying to find uh, solutions to, to problems you didn't even know would exist five or 10 years ago, I suppose. <laughs> but now it is fun. Yeah. It's a constantly evolving practice. It certainly is there. You know, it's not like, Oh, I, I've got a handle on the laws and you keep giving out advice. It's always changing. Um, and just staying up to date is challenging. I think, um, I think at the law firm, you do a, a much better job of that. You can carve out the time or you have a certain associate that might run an update on um, particular matters. You've got partners who are just, you know, to the minute um, ready to go with certain information. And here we're, we're always so busy. It's really hard to stay up to date. So we appreciate 
you know, very much our law firm partners in the updates we receive. <laughs> well, that's, that's terrific to hear. And it, and it sounds like that's one thing that those of us in the law firm world as outside counsel can do to help support our in-house uh, partners is to, uh, you know, make available the updates and alerts and, and uh, help keep everyone apprised of what we see going on. And I imagine there'll be a mutual exchange of ideas, of, <laughs> you know, the, the friction of fruitful minds or whatever the expression is uh, there that it's helpful to continue those discussions. Do you have any other advice for outside counsel who are uh, looking to work with you, things that they can do to help partner in that way? You'd mentioned helping stay up to date. Yeah, I think those those updates are phenomenal. Um, you know, in my time at Stanford, since um, I left Ropes, I guess it's now been 12 years, I think our, our own practice has evolved and our use of outside counsel has evolved. I was so fortunate as a really young Ropes associate, as I said, to be seconded to Stanford, and we don't really do that anymore. We try and reserve our use of outside counsel for um, that expertise that you you might have that that we don't possess, rather than um, for just getting work done. Unlike some of your corporate clients, we are obviously very cost sensitive. We're universities and our budgets are tight, and so we really try and be judicious in our use of outside counsel. But and so we. In our partner law firms, we, we try and keep a really good handle on who's truly the expert in something. And we obviously do turn to you when we need it, but we we make our best efforts to get the bulk of the work done ourselves um, to make sure we aren't, uh, you know, wrecking our, our budgets here. They are limited. Yeah. So I, I think perhaps just advice that to outside counsel is when, you know, when you're dealing with AMCs, obviously be cognizant of the fact that, that we do look at bills closely and that, um, and it may impact how you want to staff a matter because if we're coming to you, certainly um, here at Stanford, we're coming to you because you, you have some expertise that we don't have and we're not just looking for um, someone to kind of churn out some work for us. It, it seems like more and more the you know organizations uh, like Stanford, you've developed the capacity in-house to almost have your own quite sophisticated uh, healthcare law firm, right? Internally, with the various associate general counsels and senior legal counsels who have their own specialties <laughs> and knowledge areas that you're looking for outside counsel with more and more specialized expertise. I hear you saying. Yeah, I, when I first started at Stanford, and you know, I was first seconded here t- almost 20 years ago. We um, we were a floor of one, and now we're actually exceed two floors of attorneys. Just to give you a sense of you know how how we have staffed up, and I think that thereby reduces our need to just you know ha- turn to a law firm to help us get contracts out the door. But it certainly doesn't reduce our need for that really complex legal advice and opinions and you guys can be great thought partners um I, you know one thing we value is sometimes what are other people doing and i think um practices like ropes and gray has a wonderful handle on what other amcs are doing and if we're interested in going that direction you know what would it take and so it's, it's that sort of thought partnership that we really value but we yes we absolutely are trying to get the work done in-house and um, develop some expertise ourselves so you'd mentioned the secondment, uh, and you'd mentioned some of your work that you'd done with Stanford before uh, you'd made the move over that helped uh, smooth the way. Were there other experiences that you had at Ropes or 
um, particular um, areas of exposure that you found particularly helpful as you moved into the in-house role? Oh, I think the training I received at Ropes was just critical to my development as a lawyer. You look back at those years as a young associate and you think, oh, it's almost embarrassing. But the patience and the brilliance of the Ropes partners um, in, in training me and my my you know former class at Ropes is just phenomenal. Um, I had the incredible privilege of, of working very closely um, for Nancy Forbes, who has since passed away. And um, I remember just sitting and listening to her brainstorm issues. And then I think at Ropes, not only did you learn um, how to approach things and how to issue spot, how to turn out a good contract, how to, you know, manage through a deal if it might go into the late hours of the night, how to prioritize so much there, but also how to communicate. And I remember listening to Nancy thinking, I don't know that I'll ever be half the communicator that she is, but maybe someday I'll be, you know, part of the way there. And um, it's phenomenal training, I guess, across the spectrum at, at Ropes. It's, it's hard to put into words, but it, she, it really was remarkable. Not to mention also your peers. Ropes is able to recruit um, such phenomenal associates so that you're not only learning from your the partners that are training you um, so well, but also your peers. It's a really wonderful group. That's terrific. Uh, thinking about others who might be considering a move in-house or perhaps they're in a, in a different setting, you, you know, working for a, a pharmaceutical or medical device manufacturer or a health technology company, and maybe they're interested in moving into an academic medical center or something. Do you have any advice uh, for people who might be considering such a move, things that they should be aware of or, 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 or experience they should, should seek out? I think getting the broadest experience possible. Um, because although, of course, we we become specialists in certain areas, I think in most institutions and certainly here at Stanford, you do need to be a generalist and issues come up across the spectrum. I was certainly no privacy expert at Ropes and I'm increasingly need, needing to dive in because everything you do involves so many different issues. And so I think... Um, the best advice I would have to any associate is to really be open to all sorts of work across the spectrum to get the broadest um, base that you can and as much exposure as possible to so many different issues. So you can at least issue spot and know, have a sense of what you don't know and when to go um, get, get more help from someone who does, because we are, we deal with so many different issues. It's wild. Particularly as, you know, things change, new laws are coming out constantly, um, new areas of the industry are, are really taking off now in um, telehealth and health technology in general. What are some of your go-to sources for information as you're looking to, to get up to speed and, and stay up to speed on these items, if you have any? You know, I don't know that it's that different from from being at a law firm, I do every once in a while dig into the commentary and the regs. Um, I we love to avail ourselves of law firm um, 
memos that come out when new new changes pop up, but also um, much more collaborative in-house, even outside of the legal office. I find particularly since the pandemic and as we move into all these digital health initiatives, I work much more closely with my colleagues in risk and in privacy than I did um, certainly 10 years ago where it used to be you either had the legal work or the privacy work or the malpractice work. Now um, we're faced with such novel new directions and pilots and technology that um, I find it necessarily should be a much more collaborative um, thought process as we weigh out risks and benefits. So often we're dealing with very gray areas now and, and, and not wanting to run afoul of the laws, but also not wanting to stymie innovation. And so um, just trying to think through um, the different issues and where our risk lies. And I, I find that um, as often as I speak with my own colleagues within our general counsel's office, I'm also um, collaborating with my colleagues at the hospital who oversee privacy and risk. Interesting, becoming interdisciplinary in that respect, and particularly the overlap with risk management. I wanted to ask, any favorite ropes memories from your time here? Did you carry the the old patient care beeper ever? (laughs) I definitely didn't carry a patient care beeper. I I wouldn't say the hours were any worse than they are in-house because I I will never cease to be amazed that our senior leadership will respond at 11 o'clock at night um, to anything you send out. I think my, you know, fondest memories are really the people. Ropes is such a collegial environment of team members who are supporting each other at all levels. Um, and as I think I mentioned before, um, not only are the partners the most phenomenal teachers, but I, uh, my own associate class um, was just outstanding group of individuals. And Ropes really put in a lot of effort to bring us together. Um, I was based in San Francisco, but I had the opportunity, um, whether it was flying out for the ball or for various healthcare gatherings, to really get to know my um the larger healthcare group, which functioned as one group, um, and to get to know my classmates within that healthcare group very well. Um, and and, and that, that that I look back on is really some of the best um, parts of, of being at the firm. Thank you very much, Erin, for joining us today. It's wonderful to reconnect with alums, and I know that everyone out there in the alumni community will appreciate the chance to hear a bit about your experiences, both while you were at Ropes and in your career post-Ropes. So thank you very, very much. It was uh, wonderful to chat. And for all our alumni out there, please visit the alumni website at alumni.ropesgray.com to stay up to date with your other alum and to get the latest news about the firm and our lawyers. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. 